Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. My name is Mark Taylor and I'm the Vice Chair of NAEP. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. We're going to be chatting about our upcoming virtual Twilight Conference entitled Towards a Balanced and Broadly Based Curriculum. Now this is going to be on the 8th of March and I'm joined by three guests. Robert Young, who is our General Secretary, and he'll give us some insights and background into the conference overall. We have our keynote lecturer, Dr. Tony Ude, and we also have one of our four presenters, Alison Hells, who's the Senior Lecturer in Education at the University of Greenwich, and her presentation is going to be called Exploring History Through the Local. And I hope this next half an hour or so is going to inspire you to find out more, all of which is available on our website, which is nape.org.uk forward slash conference. That's nape.org.uk forward slash conference. There we have details of all the presentations, exactly how the conference is going to run and the ability to book. Thanks so much for joining us. And I really hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation. Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education. We're here talking about our upcoming conference, which is on Monday the 8th of March, and it's going to be 4.15 to 6.45 p.m. And we're going to talk about it in general terms, but we also have a couple of the people that are going to be presenting and also giving the keynote lectures. So thank you very much for being here. And Robert Young is our General Secretary. He's going to start us off by, by giving us an idea of, of why this conference and, and why the topic and, and what it is that we're going to be expecting. Thank you. The conference originally was going to take place uh, last July uh, and it was going to take place in a school in, in Greenwich, Bannockburn Primary, but uh, for obvious reasons it had to be um, cancelled and we then decided that the content of the conference was so important that we really ought to go ahead and postpone it to a later date but or, but, or, but, but um, arrange it on an online basis so it's essentially a virtual conference and that does have the advantage that we can reach out to many more teachers and indeed students as well than we would do if we were uh, basing it in a particular school locality. Um, the theme of the conference towards a, balance, a balanced and broadly based curriculum is a theme that I think has been around for a very long time. Um, there is an enduring question, isn't there, about uh, just how broad the curriculum should be and indeed how balanced it ought to be. Um, and there are lots of other linked questions to do with the way in which we relate different areas of study, different areas of expression within the primary curriculum and how separate those areas of study ought to be as well. Um, now, uh, although these are enduring questions, they've come to the forefront um, over the last few years, partly because there, have been, there has been political pressure being brought to bear on the, on the curriculum. Um, the, certainly the high stakes assessment um, framework that's been imposed in primary education centrally um, has exerted pressures on schools to narrow the curriculums towards the, the three R's as they're popularly known. Um, the um, key pressure that we're all having to battle with at the moment, of course, is bound up with corona, coronavirus and the fact that uh, children are being taught on, online and they therefore are not having access to quite the same range of experiences 
as they might have if they were actually in the classroom. Um, I'm talking about the majority of children, of course, bearing in mind that some are able for various reasons to, they're able to, to, to continue with their schooling. So the, 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 the overall theme of towards a balanced and broadly based curriculum is a, a very important one, not only because it is a, it, it, it's important, uh, it's an important issue or raises a set of issues for teachers in general, but also because of the particular pressures that are being brought to bear at the moment. Um, and I think we could all agree this is a, one a really important topic. As a, a musician myself, um, the broadening of the curriculum and certainly the inclusion of, of the arts and the humanities and everything, and like you say, above and beyond the uh, traditional three R's, I think is um, is really important. So, Tony, why don't you come in here, tell us a little bit about what your keynote lecture is going to be and also a little bit of background about Humanities 2020 um, and that organisation. And I should just point out here that we've got a fantastic episode um, of the Nate podcast, which was episode 33, where I know we had a discussion about that um, a few months ago. It might even be just over a year ago now. But um, tell us a little bit about the, the, uh, the lecture, first of all, and then how Humanities 2020 was part of that. Yes, th thank you very much, Mark. I've had a, an interest for many years in primary pedagogy and to some extent the curriculum. And I've become more interested, I think, recently in areas to do with the curriculum and the, uh, hum and the role of the humanities. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But I was particularly interested when uh, Robert uh, approached me to be thinking about why a, a balanced and broadly based curriculum matters particularly for young children and for those from disadvantaged backgrounds. So that's the theme of, my, uh, of the lecture. Um, and I think just to give a little bit of context of why that's important is that I think some of the pressures that Robert mentioned about narrowing the curriculum are there's a potential for them to be quite intense with younger children which i don't think should be the case and also with those from disadvantaged backgrounds and again i don't think that should be the case um, so i'm arguing against the narrowing i'm arguing in favor of it for everybody but also particularly for young children and those from disadvantaged backgrounds and just to outline the argument that I'm speaking against, I think there's a sense in which many people would say, well, five, six, seven-year-olds, roughly speaking, what's really important is they learn to read and write and to behave themselves in a, in a social and emotional work, but actually it's not that important um, that they have the broad and balanced curriculum at that age. And I want to argue very strongly that it's particularly important right the way through, but particularly for that group and also for older children as well. Um, and again, I think the, there's a danger that people will say that where there are children from disadvantaged backgrounds who maybe aren't doing particularly well in their early schooling in relation to literacy and numeracy, that what they need is more of that and that is a debate which is around at the moment in terms of the sort of notion of a catch-up curriculum that children have missed uh, a lot of schooling and so what they need to do is 
lots and lots of what they've missed. And so it's quite a difficult argument to make, um, but I think it's an important one to say that really what um, young children and those who are maybe not doing so well with their school learning, they don't need more of the same. What they need is a broadening out in terms of the arts and the humanities particularly, but I'll also touch on, but only touch on uh, aspects to do with, with science and, uh, and that one needs to have, uh, they need to have a breadth of experience because that is in fact the way, not only that they will um, become able to deal with the issues that will face them in the future, but it will also uh, uh, enable them to learn to become literate and numerate by applying their skills in a particularly interesting context. So uh, th that's the that's the sort of background to where I'm um, coming from, and I'm particularly keen to try and get at this question of why it matters, because I think a lot of us sort of intuitively think oh, well, music's important and art's important and, uh, you know, geography is important or, or whatever, without quite getting beneath the surface of why. Um, and so I'm going to try and give four arguments, which I won't reveal now, about why um, I think it's important. But I think the two most important ones are to do with something to do with democratic citizenship that actually it's really important that, that all children, but particularly the groups of children we've been talking about, learn to deal with some of the complexities and some of the difficulties of life. And also, I would argue, uh, in what I'm at the moment calling a social justice argument, that actually many children from more privileged, privileged backgrounds will have access to a broad and balanced um, set of experiences, particularly because very often they will get that out of school. Whereas actually it's very, very important for everybody um, to, uh, to have that range of experiences and that schools are therefore particularly important for uh, those from uh, less privileged backgrounds uh, in order to, to access that. So just to say something very briefly about Humanities 2020, um, it's an initiative which has been going well, for about the last two years, and we've been uh, working on it before, but really arguing for the, uh, for the importance of the humanities, not just in relation to history, geography and RE, which are perhaps what a lot of primary teachers uh, immediately think about, but also seeing the humanities a bit more broadly in terms of an understanding of human beings and their place within culture. And of course, then history, geography and RE have a place in that, but so in my view, the literature and languages and indeed many other areas. So I'm very pleased that NAEP agreed to, if you like to include the, uh, the Humanities 2020 initiative uh, as sort of co-sponsors though. In fact, NAEP have done a great deal of the work. Um, and I won't just be talking about the role of the humanities, but also be trying to say why the arts and the sciences and uh, a, a broad and balanced curriculum is particularly important for, um, for all children. But as I say, particularly for young children in the context where I think there are pressures 
um, for an, uh, too much of an emphasis, in my view, on skills in literacy and numeracy, uh, and also the same for those from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds. Alison, welcome. And the name of your presentation is Exploring History Through the Local. Could you tell us, first of all, why that title and exactly what you're going to be um, presenting us with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my um, my passion is primary history, but certainly, you know, very much tied up in all of those themes that that Tony will talk about, and, and the you know the importance of the, the history curriculum, particularly in actually you know kind of developing those those things with children. So for me, history teaching for children is very much around. Um, culture, identity, um, etc. We live in a very diverse communities. The history curriculum for children, you know, developing their sense of identity, developing the sense of, of knowing who they are. Um, and, and we can do that very much through a, not a local history study, but looking at history through the local. So by that, I mean, is looking at, you know, where children come from, whether that might be the place that they grew up, whether that might be where they are living currently looking at the context of, of what you know where the children are where they're learning what is relevant for them and and how we can teach history in the classroom in such a way that it is relevant that it does de develop um, their sense of identity that they have got connections with so it's very much about people and places but what's local to the children to the child so just to give you an example I had a little boy he was born in um, in Bexley and um, he went to school in Bexley, etc. But his family uh, came from abroad. His mum came from Grenada. He was a, a regular visitor over there. So he had kind of two locals, if you like. And, and it was really important, you know, in our history sessions to explore that as well. So he had a connection. He knew where he kind of fitted into this bigger picture, this bigger framework. So we're beginning, we're going to look at the importance of that approach. So teaching history through the local but through the, the children's connections um, and what is relevant for them and how that can then develop, you know, their, their skills, their understanding, but sustained learning. If children are connected, if they see the relevance and not just those, you know, the, the, the kind of uh, big things that we teach that people think they have to teach in history. But, you know, we're all relevant. We're all um, we're all important. So that's what I mean by teaching through local people and places and how that all fits in. So how the child, how the community, how the local fits in to the national and then to the global um, and, and, you know, in, into that bigger picture. This also, it also ties in, you know, schools are, um, are being asked now, which is great in terms of developing their curriculum so the children can see themselves in the curriculum. So, you know, we're talking about the intent of the curriculum and, and curriculums should be bespoke. They should be personalised for that, for those children and for those, for that community. And that's going to be different. Um, so we need to kind of, we need to build in that into you know into what we already have in order to ensure that children do have that broad and balanced curriculum that Tony's talking about Robert's talking about and just the importance of it you know we 
we worry very much about children developing biases and stereotypes, you know, stereotypes and, and, and things like that. If we start to address some of the perhaps more challenging issues earlier, we can go some way into not having those biases and, and um, um, stereotypical views that older children may have. We underestimate, I think, as well, particularly younger children, um, and we don't give them the chance to explore issues, you know, sometimes difficult issues at an early age. If I could just comment briefly on, if that's all right, Mark, on, on what Alison said, and in very much uh, agreeing with, with that, I think just four very brief points. One of them is the importance of starting with the child where one can you know, their own experience rather than something which is very abstract and, and a long way away. Um, a second point, and it does tie in with some of my work, um, very much around identity and culture and actually asking those questions of who am I, where do I come from, where do I fit in, which seem to me absolutely essential questions right the way through our lives and very difficult for young children. Um, a third point is, is sort of related in a sense to, to history and subjects, which is maybe a, 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 an interesting and a slightly more controversial area. But what Alison was talking about, about the, uh, it seems to me that one can't quite understand one's own history without actually having some understanding of the geographical aspects and some understanding perhaps of the aspects of religion or literature or, or those sorts of things. So I think I probably won't argue it at length, but it's certainly part of my view that actually one doesn't, one doesn't want to have too sharp a dividing line between um, subjects because actually to some extent these overlap. And the last point is uh, um, I think it's really important to try and get children into what I would call the ways of working, the, the ways of seeing things as a historian or as a geographer or working as a musician or as an artist or whatever, that in a sense, the curriculum isn't about sort of lumps of knowledge. It's much more about how people learn to approach and to understand situations and experiences and cultures. Just picking up on that point that Tony's just made about, you know, how the humanities in general, but, you know, I'm going to be kind of looking at it through history, but how um, we really can develop those those skills and, and the importance of children asking questions, um, the importance of, um, you know, asking some of those difficult questions, but actually modelling and, and allowing that to happen in order to kind of develop, you know, that, that kind of lifelong curiosity, if you like. What we don't want is children kind of grow up and passively um, accepting what they might see in the media and, and things like that without questioning and without being informed um, and, th and that's where I feel very passionate about that where the history curriculum can can really come into its own there because it's lots of transferable skills across you know across all the subject areas but it gives um, children that motivation if you like because they if they have something to, that they're connected to and they enjoy which we know children really absolutely love history and moving forward so yeah that was the point I wanted to pick up on from Tony and, and Robert what was your comment 
I just wanted to say something about two things, actually. First of all, the other presentations. Alison Hales uh, is one of our four presenters, and they will be will be contributing because after the keynote lecture, which is being given by uh, Tony, um, Alison is is as it is one of four. The other three uh, being head, head teachers of um, of primary schools. One. Of, uh, is a head teacher of a school in Oxfordshire, uh, and then we have two head teachers from London schools. And what they all share in common, I think, is uh, a great high level of of success as head teachers. They're all highly respected in their their fields, and I know they all have a great deal to offer um, on the curriculum in in action in their respective schools. Um, which brings me to the second point. It's a response to the question, who will be interested in this conference? Um, and I'd like to think there are a number of different audiences. First of all, as a, as a, as a governor of a primary school in London, uh, like other governors, I'm very interested to uh, gain a deeper insight into what schools are offering on the curriculum, on the curriculum front, um, so that I'm in a stronger position as a as a governor to be able to make a contribution um, in, in the governing board. Um, so I'm hoping that um, governors in general will be very interested in, in this conference. Um, the, then there, of course, there are students in training and certainly I think students will gain a great deal um, from, from, from the conference, not only in terms of the Kind of theoretical ideas that are being raised, um, but also in relation to the uh, possibilities for actually teaching all the starting points for learning, which are going to be pursued and exemplified, particularly through the presentations um, by by the three head teachers and and indeed by um, by Alison. Um, so students certainly have got a lot to gain, I think, and the fact that we're offering it free to students, um, I think is part of our commitment to supporting professional development uh, in its early stages. Now, um, the other audience, of course, are the teachers, the teachers themselves. And um, I'm well aware, I think, as somebody who's been involved in the profession for a long time, the importance of um, going beyond the confines of one's own school walls and gaining the, the benefit of um, perspectives that are being brought to bear on education by, uh, other, by other schools. So I'm hoping that this hour and a quarter, well, an hour and a half or so event, this twilight event, is going to be a very productive one uh, for, for teachers. Um, and hopefully they'll come out of it feeling inspired uh, by the examples of good practice that are going to be uh, exemplified but also uh, enthused by some of the ideas that they can follow up themselves after after the event and we should just mention the the general format of the conference is going to be just a brief introduction and then tony's um keynote lecture and then as robert just said there are there are four presentations and we're going to be running um presentation a and b at the same time and then we're going to 
move on after that to presentation C and D. And when you go to the booking page and the information page, you'll see how that all works out. And then you have the option to choose which of those presentations that you actually take part in. So you'll be able to choose A or B and then C or D. And all the information and the chance to book, if you go to our website, which is nape.org.uk forward slash conference, that gives you all the information and everything that you need. So that's nape.org.uk forward slash conference now robert you mentioned that it's free for um it's free for students it's actually only 10 pounds for other attendees and if you want many people from your school to take part we're actually capping each school as um as five teachers and then you can that gives you access to all those people is that correct yes that uh, that, that that is correct um so we think it's very good value for money um so hopefully yeah we'll 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 enthuse you to actually apply. Um, I will just say something about the uh, the other significance of this this event and which is bound which promotes the the, the Schiller lecture. Um, the Sch Christian Schiller was a, a leading figure in the in the primary sector in the interwar years and, and in also in the uh, 50s and 50s and 60s. Um, he was a very influential figure um, because of his work as a primary inspector. And then subsequently, he was involved with um, uh, in-service training for teachers and ran a, a, a highly regarded course for prospective head teachers as, as, as well. Um, he wrote very little. Um, you won't find any books um, actually written by him, although NAEP has put together a set of papers um, uh, based on his writings. Um, but he was somebody who um, was nevertheless immensely influential in his time. Um, the, he, was, he, he was one of the most enlightened voices in primary education. Um, and um, he certainly played a, a major role, I think, in shaping the Plowden era and the philosophy of Plowdenism. Um, the 1967 report, of course, was the Plowden report. And uh, I think there's no question that some of its um, key values were informed by uh, the work that he had done previously. Um, now, every year, NAEP has uh, commemorated his contribution to the world of education. Um, by having a, uh, what we call the Christian Schiller Lecture. Uh, and we've been doing this now since, in fact, the early, well, since about 86, 87, when it was first introduced. And uh, we've always invited distinguished figures in the primary um, se sector to give the keynote lecture at the Schiller Lecture. And uh, Tony, in fact, has has done it for once once um, already um, when he gave the, the Schiller lecture at uh, the University of Greenwich. And we're delighted that he agreed to do it again in the context of this particular event. Um, so that's why it's called the, the, the Schiller lecture. It's a way of commemorating a very uh, important and distinguished figure in the world of primary education. So I hope that kind of um 
gives you an idea of, of what it is that we're we're going to be doing and why we're why we're trying to do it and um if there's any other comments just before we wrap up tony is there something else you'd like to say yes i, I just wanted to add to what to, to what robert said about the the christian schiller lectures or lecture uh each year uh in that i remember going to them all probably about 35 years ago um and just coming away inspired not just by the ideas um but also by the fact that there was a group of people who were grappling with those ideas and thinking about them in a really thoughtful way and what it might mean in practice and i think that we've sort of lost a bit over the years of that tradition of people getting together for a lecture. I know there are social media and brewheads and everything like that, but I just hope that it will be an opportunity for people to come together and to listen to ideas, to question, to think about it, and, and to go away inspired as I did from the Schiller lectures many times when we were able to meet um, in person. Well, I don't think we can um, we can praise it any more than that. So thank you very much. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Tony, for joining us. Um, my name is Mark Taylor. I'm the Vice Chair of NAEP. And you can contact us through our website, which I said before is nape.org.uk. There's a contact list and contact form and details there. And anything specifically about the conference, nape.org.uk forward slash conference and everything you need is there. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, um, the three of you, for taking part with me. And we look forward forward to seeing you on the 8th of March.